0: Welcome to The Known Experience. So glad you're joining us once again. And uh, today we have uh, a guest on that we've tried to have on for a while and uh, finally worked out, Kurt Majit. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. What's up, John? What's up, Sean? Appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, Kurt comes to us by way of West Palm Beach, which is where uh, Sean and I both lived for a while. And uh, I want to just start by giving kind of an overview of your life, but we'll let you unpack yeah. a lot more of it. Kurt was yeah. a high school standout in football, went on to play for the University of Tennessee, started as a freshman at strong side linebacker, uh, which is no small task. Played four years, even though you had a year off in the middle there for injury. Uh, signed with the Colts, started as a rookie at the Colts, which is again not a, not a small thing, uh, but ended his first year with an injury. And that kind of ended your time in the NFL. You played for the Canadian football league briefly, tried out for the Patriots and had an injury after that. Could have played with Tom Brady and Gronk and Edelman. Um, I'm not trying to rub that in at all. Uh, And, uh, but at the end of all of that, you know, your life dream, it's like, you just got a taste of it. And then suddenly it's all taken away. And you're, as you said before, you're left with this question, who am I without football? Uh, Tell us about that process and and how that changed you, how that shaped you.
1: It's hard to put words to it, right? We can be here. This could be a a college course, in my opinion, right? It's so much to unpack, to get down to it. Like you mentioned, I'm from South Florida, born and raised. And if anybody from South Florida, they know if you're a good football player, you're going to go to college, right? Be a good football player, be a... A, a solid person, you know, solid enough and, you know, get good enough grades. Now I think they remove SAT and ACT. So, you know, you just be a good football player, you can go to college. Started playing when I was about six or seven years old. And the reason I start there, that was what I knew from it. So it's, you look at six to seven years old up to 25 years old, right? And when you're growing up and you become good at something, it's something called identity foreclosure. I learned about that during my research and understanding players in a transition. How can I help support and best support some of my former teammates that needed some of those, um, some of that support or someone to lean on in the time of the unknown? Um, Identity foreclosure says when you're good at something, your external environment validates and fuels that thing, right? So being a football player, six, seven years old, when I started playing tackle football at nine years old, I made an all-star team. All-Star team, we loaded up a bus, came up, drove up to Atlanta, Georgia, playing a um, football tournament. And, you know, um, freshman year of high school, make the varsity squad. Sophomore year, before I even actually played, I received Division one scholarships. Right? they They team saw potential in me. I had a bigger brother. I have a bigger brother that's three years older than me. He was a senior. I was a freshman. They're like, oh, he looks just like him. He's a little bit longer, a little bit skinnier. He's going to develop into a good Good, good ball player. So let's let's get let's get on them quick, right? So as I'm looking through my journey, my journey has always been centered around football. I was always successful in football. So now, when you reach the end of that journey, it's it's not you know I'm happy because it happened. Nah, that was really your life. That was really your discipline, your communication, your safe your safe space, everything that I learned and did centered around football and like I mentioned being from South Florida football isn't football season it's it's a year-round thing we we play football all year and so when you're pivoting from that the first question you have to do the first question you have to ask yourself am I really who I say I am right and how do I unpack that when I finished playing ball I finished with seven major surgeries three knees two ACLs three labrums, um, three shoulder surgeries, labrum reconstruction, bunionectomy on my big toe, and I had an acetabular fracture in my hip. So a lot of injuries. But what made me special as a football player wasn't just my ability to play. I wasn't always the fastest, strongest, quickest. I was always pretty smart. I didn't make many mistakes. I was um, dependable, communicated well with my teammates. I loved my teammates. I showed up one time. So when I was in my transition, I had to ask myself, am I really that person? Am I really those things that I said I was when I was in my environment of comfort? So like I mentioned, man, this, this, we can't really unpack this, but man, in in that transition, you look at yourself in the mirror and you almost don't recognize yourself. And, And there's a lot of moments where you can turn right, turn left, but either way is the unknown. Do you rather go the unknown route where there's positive, there's growth, there's you know vulnerability or do you want to you know take the other un- unknown route of comfort right and doing less than your your your, your potential so yeah and it's a lot
2: <laughs> yeah no i i you know i just had a discussion last night with a guy he called me and he's um he's you know he's 40 uh he top tops in his field uh, has made a couple million but he was it, it we were talking about identity right he's like I look at my bank account. I, I always wanted to be a millionaire. And I became a millionaire. And then like no one celebrated it. I didn't really care. Yeah. So then he's like, I guess I want to get 2 million. And then I got there and it didn't really. Yeah. But, but so we're, so we're talking about that, about fulfillment and like your why and who you are and his identity. And, you know, I'm like, everyone knows you as this, right? So you need to take the time. That's not enough. Right. Um, for all of us, even, even you as a football player, when you that's not just who you are and that's going to end someday so the sooner we can figure out as guys and and women right okay i'm not just kurt the football player i'm not just sean the uh food and beverage guy i'm not just whoever the, the realtor um it really creates you know those the same things that made you successful in football will make you successful in whatever you do right but it's but when you can break out of the, okay, I'm just a football player, and these only apply to that, your world opens up, right? You're like, oh, no, I'm yeah. not just that guy. And I'm actually w- way more capable and creative in X, Y, and Z, all these different avenues. That's yeah. like true empowerment, but it's a difficult process, right? Because yeah. because you're as you said, your entire life was a certain role, a certain identity, Um, and then when that's gone, it's still – as you said, you look in the mirror and you're like, am I that guy? Am I still that guy? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You yeah agreed. And, and I, I like, I would like to say, um, to even get started in that space, in that space of, um, trying something new, right. Because I believe that so I read an article, called the power of small wins, but in order to have a small win, you got to step into that that new space. Right. And so just imagine this, right. I come in, um, six, three, two 40, you know, four-star athlete, all these different things, all these different, you know, all American. And then I come into a, a completely new space, new business, new function. Now I'm, I'm, I'm brand new, right? I need to raise my hand for everything. I don't understand the most basic vocabulary work, right? That was me in a lot of different spaces along my journey. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, I feel like there's this big barrier that don't, that it, It doesn't exist. It's it's a mental barrier, and uh, uh, let's call it a pride barrier. To say I'm not vulnerable enough to put myself in that position to start over, right? Mm -hmm. um, And and there's power in that, though. There's so much power in that. And stepping into, like you said, instead of like stepping into a new community, a new environment. Man, I just turned 30 in February, and I just like go through my phone sometimes and just scroll through memories and. I see friends that I've met from all over the world just doing the most random stuff and the most cool things. You know what I mean? And it's all of that, those things would have been possible if I wasn't vulnerable, if I wasn't, you know, in my mind saying, I am more, I am more, I gotta go do more. Let me go take my first step out and do something that's more and see where it takes me. You know what I mean? So but yeah, I, I yeah. definitely agree, Sean.
0: That term, uh, uh, identity foreclosure that's new to me uh thank you for sharing that and uh, yeah i like that i mean yeah. it's the definition here is that the unquestioning acceptance by individuals of the role values and goals that others have chosen for them <laughs> parents coaches close friends teachers yep and i don't think you have to have yep. been a, a football player to have experienced identity foreclosure <laughs> right right um, exactly yeah. i was in a workshop the other day and having people really tap into what's my why and this lady expressed that her whole life she's been told certain things about herself that she had never questioned whether they were true or not and um she was beginning to do that so change usually happens well it always happens because of a disruption of some sort and that disruption could be something that's beyond our control like your um uh your injuries or it can be something that we choose uh, to do. Most people don't have the courage to choose to introduce disruption into their life out of fear of, of what's on the other side. Is it really worth it? Tell us what you gained from it. How was it worth it? And what? how do you feel like your life is enriched through having to answer that question, who am I, without the thing that everyone told me, identified me?
1: I would say it was very fulfilling and enriching from a lot of different spaces one being you learn a lot about people right you you have these people that you say oh i know such and such i'll be fine right they they do this they they they're a millionaire they they're in this space i i know i can just jump over there and work with them and but oftentimes you know those relationships are tested when it's mm. when it's go time right so are they really willing to write that letter of recommendation are they really willing to welcome you into their company, which is, you know, the pipeline for their families, you know, how their family eat, right? So it's like, do they like you as a person, as an athlete, or do they see value in what you can bring and drive? Um, And so I I guess, you know, I bring that up because along my journey, I've had a lot of interesting conversations, right? And a lot of it was around just exploration. I was able to be in this exploration phase and stage two parts. One, because I, I was able to play professional and left myself with a little bit of padding financially. And two, my dad, um, I went back to South Florida and spent time with him and you know, just being around my family, that's just very enriching. But while well, I'm in this space of exploration, I went and got my real estate license. I communicated with um, different business leaders from different um, different groups. So medical sales, pharmaceutical sales, and you know, just so many different things in the business space, um, as well as just adventures, which is a whole other topic. But when, uh, when I was talking with these different individuals in, in the business spaces, it was interesting to see the support that was available, but it was also interesting to see how some people were set up mentally and that it wasn't quite fitting for me, right? So what I wanted to do, um, was challenging myself. Before I graduated Tennessee, before I um, went on to play pro, I was halfway done with my HR masters. So I had an option to come back to the university, finish my HR masters within a year. Do I actually wanna do that? Do I wanna be, um, walk around and have a a masters of HR? Not not quite, don't wanna work in that space. So I say, all right, what's the next level? What what more can I do? And that's how I, um, I identified the MBA. And once I, you know, got accepted to the NBA program, eyes eyes wide open, front row of class, you know, book bag tied, you know, shirt tucked in, <laughs> I'm 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 acting like this is this is middle school, you know what I mean, elementary school. So for me, bring it all, give me all the information, give me all the opportunity, let me sort it out. I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna show up, and I might even bring you a snack. You know what I mean, Co- uh, classmates and all. So. For success for me at that point was if I can leave this MBA program and have the ability to say no, then I'll consider that successful,
2: right? Oh, I like that.
1: I wasn't quite looking for a specific thing because I didn't know what supply chain was. I didn't know what it looked like to work in, in marketing, or I didn't have this background in, in these expertise, right? But I wanted to cast a wide enough net with my network, the resources, and the opportunities available to say no. Yeah, I guess it's a long-winded answer for you, Joe.
0: <laughs> well, if I could follow it up, what did you learn about yourself?
1: What I learned about myself was I'm worth it. I'm worthy and I'm worth it, right? And it's like when you look in the mirror, and you, you ask yourself, am I that person? It's a blessing and um, it's a blessing to, to be able to wake up daily and take that challenge, right? So it's something that you've got to do day over day, day over day, day over day. And that's what that's what I learned about myself in that space is all of these tangible and intangible things from, you know, my physical ability, but also the intangibles, my ability to communicate, work with others, um, ability to go the extra mile and want to, to go the extra mile. All those things are transferable skills, but where do I transfer them? How do I transfer them? How do I do all of these things effectively and efficiently, right? And so, yeah, so I think, one thing that I struggled with when I was, you know, in my transition, being 25, 26 years old, you know, going back to school, I'm in a cohort of um, classmates that's worked at Boeing, GE, Oracle, you know, me, now nah, I don't have that experience, can't speak the language, don't know, the different ERP systems, you know, that's that's just not me, right? So how do I sit firm in class Head up, acknowledge. Hey, I do understand. I do not understand. Request support, and so just like those vulnerability moments, they matter. But all in all, I learned that I can get the job done. You know, um, I'm up for the task. I'll raise my hand and, and accept the task without understanding all of the parameters that's um, required for the challenge. And that's that's what's made me special, and I think that's something that um, I'll continue to take with me.
2: Yeah, you know, I. I... One of the things I've, I've heard, um, is that a lot of people and you're you're obviously one of them because of what you've accomplished in your life, but it's like the last 10% is what separates the good from the great. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people can do 90% of the work or go 90 get a project done 90% of the way, but there's not a lot of people that can complete that final 10%. And that's what makes all the difference. Right. Um, and, 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 and that, that comes, you know, I, I can't say if it's, you know, nature or nurture or combination of both, but I do know in, in my life, even in the past three years, right. There was a lot of roadblocks and, um, you know, I think that, that the frustrating thing in life, and maybe you've experienced this cause you're kind of a charismatic guy. People are like, Oh, Kurt always wins. You know, that's cause you know, life is just good to him, And, but you're like, man, no, like I, it was that last 10% about 50 times in my life that I got pushed through. Right. Same thing for me. It's like, man, people with this next venture, Oh, Sean always kind of lands on his feet. Well, it's because the six other things that failed the past three years, they didn't limit my creativity or my will or my perseverance. Right. Um, And so like, where did, where did that piece of you come from? Was that, you know, your father, I know has a huge role, but, is that something internally that you kind of nurtured or like, where does that come from in you?
1: Yeah, start with my dad. You know, he, he instilled a, a very strong household. My mom passed when I was two, we grew up with my older brother and my older sister, Brianka um, Majid, Roosevelt Majid Jr. And in our household, my dad instilled morals and values around, we work hard, and we, we're we honest, right? We, we're not gonna touch and take anything that's not ours. and to see what he endured and went through from his commitment to us, or I used to call it all sacrifices, but it was a commitment. Cause I know that he would do it again. Um, when my mom passed, you know, he made she sure he said he's going to devote everything to us. And so to see him work day over day, um, I think in my 18, 19 years being at home, I can't recall a day, you know, he called out sick, you know, cause he had to go cut the yards, He had to go, do the construction work he had to go to the work at the marina right he had to figure out whatever it was to make sure that we didn't miss a meal because of his upbringing and he his experiences of trying to make an extra buck you know get you know being shot by the police um being um, addicted to drugs like all these different things in his journey he committed to making sure that he provided us enough for us to not have to take that route and for me i acknowledge that at a young age very young age and I understood that and so mm. as I'm going along my journey you got people talking about oh something's hard or such and such is hard nah right. <laughs> like nah man you don't understand you know it's you'd be 110 degrees and you got to cut four yards by yourself and you want to go make a hundred dollars and you're still behind on rent you still you're not sure you know what I mean that yeah that yeah. sound that sound hard so right. as some as these opportunities come to me I, I get to, and, and that's the reality of it. And and I guess to answer your question is to me, it's my household, but it's it's conscious. It's it's a conscious effort day over day when these opportunities appear. For me, it's when these opportunities appear, this is an opportunity for me to expand my capacity of resilience, right? So I want to callous the mind. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to, you know, I, I want to see what it feels like. I want to see, I want to I wanna get to that red zone where it's like, all right, if you would have kept, you know, you almost passed out, you know, or you, you, you <laughs> pushed, you gave it what you got, you know, and a, a small example that's relevant, but not quite relevant. My first time getting Patty um, free diving certified, we did a, a static breath hold. That's where you're just standing in a pool, you stick your head in the water and, you know, hold your breath, right? It's a part of the training. My first time I held my breath for four minutes and people asked me like, Dang, How'd you do that? Like, hold your breath. Don't breathe. Like, what happened when your body want to breathe? Don't breathe. And to be honest, I, it was a few times my body wanted to come up, but I said, "Let's push it. Let's see. Let's see where this takes me." All right. So it's like, for me, I'm, I'm willing to go that extra mile, and mentally and physically, I'm okay with pushing it. So that that brings that resilience piece behind the foundation of what I'm made of. You know, being my dad's son. Yeah. I,
0: you know, I, did you ever did you ever do it until you passed out no nah, i didn't <laughs>
1: yeah
2: four minutes man four minutes that's that's
0: no joke that's pretty yeah.
2: impressive yeah. yeah i can't go
0: four yeah. minutes without eating much less holding my <laughs> holding breath uh yeah um <laughs> You know uh you talked about watching your dad i was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago and they were talking about this very thing i mean i know there's the nature nurture every kid has a different personality on top of that but just uh it's been my experience and i've seen it in other people that when you see somebody doing something especially someone that's a role model in your life a it seems normal and and it b it seems possible right and whether that be going to college working hard um exercising sean i see you post stuff of your kids exercising um and you know they see you and your wife exercise all the time it's normal it's what we do my friend uh brad his wife ashley she's a runner she just started taking her eight-year-old with her on like 10ks and stuff and then he ends up setting the record for his age group and running not just (laughs) age group i'm sorry for the whole school For the whole elementary at like seven and a half, he set the record for running by far because he was running like it was normal to him. Like he was running with adults, it was his thing. So I just, you know, if you're listening out there, like if your kids see you reading, they're probably gonna be a reader. If they see you exercising, they're probably gonna exercise. If they see you taking risks and failing and continuing to take risks, they see resilience in you, then resilience is normal. Uh, that's not a question, but it is an observation I've seen a lot. Um, Sean, do you see that with your kids? Yeah. You know, it's, and and, and it's a fine line, right? Like
2: I don't, I don't ever want to be the dad that dictates their path. Right. Um, and it's something I think about a lot is how can I be an example without saying this is the best way for you. Right. Um, and you know, I, I try to encourage more of the fundamentals, that we were talking about, right? Like when I, when I see Landon going out to practice, you know, I encourage him in that, right. Because that's his choice. I I don't tell him to do that. You know, it's like, Hey, yeah, you should be out there if you want to play. If Sayla's, you know, has trying to perform a song, I don't tell her to practice. Like, I I think that's one of the things that I want to see in my kids, this natural drive to do it. And then I'm going to encourage them. Right. Because I have that. And my wife says, I'm pretty, strong-willed and assertive and um
1: <laughs>
0: she's but not I want
2: to <laughs> I want to <laughs> see uh I want to see them make the first step, right? And then I'm right behind them, but I'm not going to drag them, right? I'm not the guy that's going to drag them and maybe that's wrong. I don't really know. I guess we'll see when when they're older. Yeah. But once they make the choice, you know, I'm I'm all in and I'll do it, anything and everything to help them succeed um mm-hmm. but I don't want it to be my path revisited you know, on them. So, it's interesting. I mean,
0: I think another challenge with parenting in an affluent family is that, you know, Kurt, as you shared your story about how every every day was a challenge growing up. Every day was difficulty. Every day was, you know, I mean, I know where you grew up. I lived right down the street on Palm Beach Lakes, like a few blocks from Tamarind and Palm Beach Lakes, right? So, it's like, how do I get home without encountering a gang or gunshots or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, and you know, Julius shared the same story, like his, his childhood made him resilient. And, um, I think I, whenever we interview these people who've done great things, never once have I heard them say, well, I was born on third base and, uh, I acted like I hit a triple and then I got walked home and now here I am. Right. Like yeah, <laughs> always the story of like the work and, and what they went through. Um, something you've said that really shaped your, um, especially your football career was anger that, um, it it was a motivator. I've heard other great football players say this, but it can also be a challenge first. I mean, it's a two part question. One, where did your anger come from? And two, um, how, what's your journey been with your anger to, to help make it more useful and more, um, controlled yeah
1: so before i started playing ball like i used to love fighting and even first couple years of playing ball growing up in the projects we we fight all the time we go over to the park you know fight be friends the next day fight again the next day you know what i mean so it's and it's crazy time fly but a lot of those guys i grew up with and a lot of them aren't here but um yeah so my anger is, I think my anger, the source of it comes from un, 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 being unsure, right? I was the baby boy. I was a baby in a in house. I didn't ask many questions. I have zero memory of my mom. My brother and my sister, they both vividly remember my mom, you know? So for me, that was a big piece of it. And I didn't communicate or ask questions, right? Mm-hmm. I just knew, didn't have mom. Second to that is just growing up in that environment. you know gotta, to, gotta to have some, gotta have some stuff about you. And once I started playing ball, it became that source that I needed, that I didn't know I needed of, you know, that uh, energy release, right? Because what it was just a, a bottom of energy, football was a way for me to, to allocate that energy. By the time I was 19 years old, playing on the recreation leagues, I knew I would go home, I, mean, I would go to school, um, and I had something to look forward to. So my discipline and now, instead of getting that fight in school, because I know that, that leads to um, detention, suspension, no more football, right? I go to school, you know, do the best I can. Still get in the fight every now and then, but you know, go to you know, go to um, go home, prep up for practice, and then I can release that energy, right? I, I enjoy hitting, I love being physical. Um, so football was my space to to really get that out along with my journey. Like I've in the football space, I've always been considered like the leader. Right, a lot of guys looked at me for on, on the defensive side and offensive side of the ball for the direction of the team. And everybody, everybody know Kurt. Very charismatic, very passionate, very you know optimistic. But if Kurt say do something, you don't do it. Kurt probably gonna not be very happy about it. Right, <laughs> and the, the big thing, <laughs> the big thing is is disrespect too. So it's, it's you know, we don't disrespect each other. Don't do anything outside of the lines uh, of the team to, to, to hinder someone else, especially consciously. You do something, yes. So those things right there tick me off like that, you know, cause I've always put team before myself. So th- that's the only thing I think of when, um, with anger along with my journey in, in the football space. But man, thinking about where I was from nine years old to 18 years old to 30 years old, I've learned how to take that deep breath, you know, because I can't, you know, um, hit people. You know, I can't go go play football for that outlet. My outlet has been taken away, right? So I've, you know, changed, um, I guess, allocated that over to, to um, CrossFit and different workouts and running and different fitness space and challenging myself there. But to really yeah, take a deep breath, unwind and communicate, use words, um, not necessarily the pivot, but there's a book I read, um, it's called the craving mind. And the biggest takeaway there was when it comes to addiction or things that we would call it addiction, right? Some people like, or things that you can't quite control. It goes trigger behavior reward. Right. So when you look at anger, people that can't control the anger, there's something along those lines, trigger behavior reward. So when something triggers me for to become angry, I try to take a step back instead of acting into that behavior. Right, and the longer I can expand my capacity and sit into that trigger and really sit back and not behave, not behave, not behave, my reward is a lot different, right? So I think that's something that that I've I've grown and um, I've identified as supportive in my transition and in my journey.
2: Would you say that your we all have our weak points, right? Or the the, the trigger points that can motivate us, but then they are the negative side of us as well, right? <clears throat> um, would you say that that is yours, or that was more of a, res- a, a result of your environment and and um, and? do you, do you manage, do you manage it now? It, does it kind of still remain as it was you just, you manage it better or is it kind of resolved and it's manifested into something else, right? Like the energy is kind of transferred and it's still there, but it's not nearly, you know, the, has the presence in your life. Like it did. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I've, I feel like there's, there's kind of um, for me that, yeah. that kind of exists like that. Um, so I'd like to. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I would say overall, I think it's resolved and, being, being a young kid that was unsure, that had all these questions, that had all this anger that was just from who knows what, right, I, I did anger management classes when I was a kid and, you know, the football and the growth and development through that, the ups and downs through the football space, the roller coaster of all the injuries, all these things that I went through. So I would say my maturity and understanding life has helped me so much um, where I, I do feel, I feel confident and I feel good about where, where I am. And I don't think there's much of a, a band-aid or, uh, I would even say too, is there's not much um, red, red buttons that can just like get me like super fired or fired up, right? Um, I feel like I've, I've become to um, really control and understand myself a lot better um, mm-hmm. as I've, as I've grown. But um,
0: yeah. I think one thing that's hard for a lot of us is is when things don't go the way that we had hoped or the way that we felt like we deserved and I don't even mean that as a sense of entitlement I mean when you've worked hard on some for something you know you think about all the hours you put into football from six until you know your rookie year pro that's a lot to invest in something and um at any point, did did you wrestle with anger towards God, the universe, whatever whatever you call it, of like, how how could you let this happen to me?
1: Yeah. Interesting. So let me tell you um short story. From my sophomore year, you know, I had ACL surgery, so set out that year. Junior year, come back, kill it. 11 sacks, I could leave and maybe go third round just based off on injury history, but If I can stack another year, so 11 sacks, eight sacks, probably first, second round, right? It's just performance and I was playing well. Third game into my last season, take a, you know, this is punt safe. So it's not a defensive play, play fourth and five, Oklahoma, um, Tennessee versus Oklahoma at at, at Neyland, 102,000 sold out, right? So orange and white everywhere, it's just ridiculous environment. Fourth and four, fourth and five, uh, punt safe. I take two steps forward and boom, I fall down. I feel this weird weird sensation from like the tip of my toes all the way up, almost to like my ribs. It was like the weirdest thing. So for me, I'm like, it's not a hamstring. No, don't know what it is, but that's not normal. Fast forward, I go to see um, Dr. Thomas Bird in Nashville. He's one of the best hip specialists in the country. He tells me you have an acetabulum rim fracture and he said this can go either way. You can need a hip replacement within a year or you can walk again and may not play football. Right. So football was not after that conversation, football wasn't priority. It was like, all right, let's try to see if you can get it, get that well first. So now let's take from this moment to, let's say, two weeks prior to that. Now we have this this gap or this window of, all right, I was talking to to Rosenhaus, you know, looking at all these different agents and, you know, first round projections, all American accolades, you know, um, all these different preseason awards. Everything that was supposed to happen was happening. I was 6'4", 245, 6% body fat, fast, explosive, strong. Now I'm sitting in front of a hip specialist saying, you may need a hip replacement, but in the meantime, I'm gonna need you to be non-weight bearing for four months, right? And this is in the middle of my my final season, mm-hmm. September. So the four month mark is on the back end of December. The NFL Combine is in, in February. Yeah. So now, how do how how, how does a, a 21 year old, 20 year old really digest and really, you mm-hmm. know, understand these? You know, so did I? Did I? question, you know, what it, what it was. Absolutely. Right. Like, Whoa. like And To be honest, I gave myself 48 hours, give myself about 48 hours to, to grieve. And it's really did. Like I was Mm. like, all right, I'm not gonna talk to anybody step away after 48 hours. I'm like, all right, let's do what we can to make sure that after these four months, I'm in the best position that I've done everything I can. Right. And John, so to answer your question, during that was a tough moment, a tough time for me, and it led to some questions, but what I did was I, I dove deeper into the word, right? That's when I started journaling. I started writing down different scriptures that apply to me, and one that I found is it was just something along the lines of, um, pretty much, I don't care what happens because um, God determines the journey, pretty much, so God is always in control, and that was something that I, I kept as my, my true north. Um, that I could control. I stopped smoking. I smoked cigars a little bit every now and then on the weekends and had my wine, stopped drinking completely. So for me, it was like, how can I do what's best for my body to make sure that at the end of the, at the end of all of this, I'm in the best position to to continue to play or be healthy. But that was yeah, that was that was definitely the toughest.
0: So you wrestled yeah, dude, with who- it a little bit, but you but you chose on You didn't let yourself stay there, right? You said you gave yourself 48 hours to grieve. Yeah. Uh, that was really my next question was some some of us grew up in an environment that built resilience. Some of us didn't, but we can all adopt a resilience mindset. Um, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some thoughts, some key thoughts that you come back to or mantras that you use in those times of frustration, disappointment, uh, disruption? H- how do you think through that? there's always some positive. There's always something positive.
1: Uh, through all my injuries, all my time sitting out, I've learned so much about the body. I've had a chance to step into the community, explore different businesses, and I've curated um, and, and nurtured relationships that I still hold close today from those adverse moments. So first thing, there's always something positive. The second thing, don't expect it to be easy, right? It's it's interesting, right, to me because when you use words like resilience, adversity, um, perseverance, strength, like all of these different uh, adjectives, they're things that are essentially a commodity. Like people, don't, a lot of people just don't don't quite have it because we live in a society that's that's very enabling and everything is very, very convenient. There's a, a a really quick way to tap out of things to to, to start mm-hmm. a workout, a twenty minute AMRAP where you're redlining at minute five and by minute seven, you're saying, I'm done. I don't want to, I dropped the dumbbell and nine times out of 10, the coach isn't going to harp on you and say, get back on it. You committed to it, finish it. But when we live a certain way, and for me it's the Kaizen philosophy of continuous improvement is when we live a certain way day over day. We build that capacity. We, we, Hmm. we, we, we fall, but we get back up and we get back to it make a commitment we stick to it we push ourselves we challenge ourselves and that's where resilience is born it's not born on the day of of adversity or the or or game day if you got to wait to you got to wait to see how you're going to react when adversity is is in your face or when sudden change is in your face you probably waited too long you're probably not going to be ready yeah right so the second thing is don't expect it to be easy don't expect it to be perfect but Make a commitment, recommit, realign, reassess, recommit, realign, reassess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what it is. It's day over day. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. You mentioned something there about like when it comes that time, like you've got to have put in the work ahead of time to be ready. There's a guy we interviewed on here, Dr. Stephen Garber. He said, at crucial times of choice, most of the business of choosing has already been done. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm you also dropped this word Kaizen uh, yeah. and it has this philosophy of improvement over perfection. Tell us what yeah. that, what that means and how, how that's helps drive you. Man, I, it was
1: crazy. So during the NBA program, I, I saw it and I was like, kind of cool. Then they keep talking about it. Cause you know, Tennessee we have the integrated supply chain program. They keep talking about Kaizen, Kaizen, like, okay. So Kaizen is a Japanese term for continuous improvement. It was adopted um, for you know, Japanese, um, the Toyota manufacturing, right? So how do we, you know, improve? How do we we scale? How do we have minimal um, defects, right? So to me, I'm like, I like this continuous improvement. And as I'm thinking, I, I think, like to consider myself as like a, a tinkerer or a philosopher sometimes. <laughs> so I'm thinking like if, in football, we kind of in that same space. It's, it's not about what you did previous, it's you know, it's where are we? How do we continue to get better? How do we continue to get better? And you know, they say the film is never as bad as you think, and it's never as good as you think. There's always mm-hmm. room for improvement, you know. Um, and so man, I'm like, that, that's me, that's me a hundred percent. And so it's like, how do I apply that, continue to keep that as essentially as a, a guiding light in all of these other you know, realms of business and, and whether it's philanthropy, whether it's you know, um business, day-to-day stuff or training, everything has space for improvement, continuous, incremental. It's not saying we're gonna jump from A to Z. Right. But we're for sure gonna just improve a little bit, a little, a little bit, and yes, uh that's my jam, man. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, and and that's that makes everything um, so much more achievable too. Right. You know, I, I, like if you have a bunch of large goals, relationally, spiritually, business, whatever, and you don't hit them, it's demoralized. Like it's really hard. You're making it hard on yourself. If you have grandiose goals and you're, you're not hitting a lot of them. Right. But when you have incremental goals that you, that are definitely achievable. I mean, that's why even, even in sports, you know, they say, always train with someone just a little bit better than you, not way better than you, just a little bit better because they're going to drive you right that guy if he's way up here it's actually going to demoralize you because he's going he's gonna to crush you every single time but if you if you can taste victory you know that's within mm-hmm. reach that's the guy you should be training with right and yeah. that's a that's the kaizen kind of kaizen philosophy right it's incremental yes absolutely and, and that leads you to this goal um but you know it's I love it personally. You know, I don't. I don't call it. You know, Kai's and you introduced me to that. You know, through your Instagram. But Thanks, I, I'm a I'm a subscriber.
1: Yeah, <laughs> appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's it's interesting because, like you said, it's it's not about the the end. It's just continuous. Just small things, the smallest things, and so I did the uh, the CrossFit Open this year, and I did. I think I like 23.2. I think it was. I redid that workout twice after the first workout went down data dump broke down each exercise each time how much time I had in my transition so from there I identified um if I want to improve my time where do I need to where do I need to drop time where do I need to and so now I can go back with that game plan and say all right instead of you know taking a break on that just a little bit more right and that's that's the that's the philosophy man that's the that's the way that's the way. Um, something, something else I wanted to hit on too was, like you mentioned with incrementalists, you got, got some of these different competitions, these different challenges, and you know, New Year's resolution, right? Seventy-five day hard, you know, give me that person that's 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 five out of seven, that's that's four out of seven, five out of seven, five out of six out of seven, five out of seven, four out of seven, seven versus that person that's seven out of seven for the first twenty-six weeks of the year. Right. And then they're just drained because they maybe missed a day in week 27. Now they're like, there's no way I can make it back up. Or they miss two days and they're like, I just let myself down. Right. And so when we get to end of the back end of the year, you got a person that's sitting at 50% versus a person that's sitting at like 77%, 80, 82%. And um, yeah, so you know, just a little bit, just a little bit.
0: Uh what is it? Sean mentioned your Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Kurt Majit. I probably should make
1: it something more cool, but just first name, (laughs) last name.
0: All right. That's two G's, two T's. Um, Tell us about your foundation, man.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, My foundation is called the Edge Foundation, and uh, we're starting out in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the, the reason we exist is to identify and help develop high potential youth from the inner city to equip them with um, the necessary skills and tools um, to, t- to gain an edge in whatever life throws at them. Very long-winded, but in short, what I want to do is help build their toolbox, um, tangible and intangible, for life to come, right? Because we all know adversity comes, challenges come, opportunities come. If we're not ready to take on the opportunities and or the adversity, you know, that's where we get, st- where we get stuck, So we get left behind. We've done great things in the community, and um, it's it's been a blast. We've partnered with the city of Knoxville, um, University of Tennessee athletic program, um, Noble. We've, we're we're on to it, man. Um, something I'm proud of that we did this year was able to go back and um, during spring break. You know, the way I look at it, when kids have a lot of time to to just free free range or different breaks and whatnot, that's when they sometimes find themselves in trouble. And so, partnering with the YWCA and um, drums up, guns down in Knoxville, we hosted a portable ropes course. What that was going to do, and the intention behind that, is to help sharpen and well develop and sharpen, um, you know, teamwork and leadership skills. So communication, you know, resilience, um, understanding, um, problem solve, all these different things in a in, in, in a you know chaotic controlled environment and it was very successful um was able was gift the kid an ipad and continue to do great things of that nature
0: i love that you said high potential youth you didn't say at-risk yeah. youth you didn't say under-resourced yeah. youth yeah uh, i think you're the result uh you're you're a great picture of one of those high potential youth that uh and now you're bringing others thanks. with you that's great yeah thanks and like you said man i
1: I believe no matter where you come from and what what a kid is doing, they should all identify themselves as as high potential right and right. if not the, the question is why are you not high potential why why do you feel that way right so I was kind of going back and forth with should this be left in or should it be taken out but it's nah this that's important that that little that little verbiage so I do appreciate you acknowledging that
2: yeah i mean and and also it, it... It's it's a great, you know, uh, the success is often through the adversity too, right? So it's not like just because you're experiencing adversity, there's not going to be success, right? Like that's right. a that's kind of the the a lot of success is on, is only through adversity, right? Like what when right. do you when do you ever achieve anything without a lot of headwinds, right? It's not going to well, happen. So you know, or I something think, meaningful, yeah. right? You know, and so having a guy. Like you that understands right and says, "Hey, I, your life might be full of adversity, but that doesn't yeah. mean that defines you, right? Like, like that's all you're going to be is just one adversity after another, right? Like one at, and there's there's going to be no success, there's no potential um, to that. Uh, do you find like that's a story you hear from a lot of kids? And I mean, I think and kids maybe aren't in that headspace, right? They haven't identified um, where they're at." S- psychologically but you kind of help them with that process or is it more just kind of activity based you provide space for them to explore
1: and after after that um after the portable ropes course we had a round table and we we sat in and we wanted the kids to talk we said we want to hear from you you open floor we don't have a specific topic you know what are you seeing what are you facing what how do you feel about things and man is it was Insightful, and it's a lot different than when when we grew up, right? Just because of the nature of the nature of the beast of social media, mass media, you know, technology, the things that they're they're battling and and, and, um, and you know facing daily is it, a lot different. So to hear some of the feedback from them, and also for other kids to say, "Hey, they raise their hand. Hey, I had the same thing, man, but this is how I dealt with it," or I'm I'm seeing a therapist. This is this is what my therapist is, you know. So having that that that, that special unique a special safe space for those young kids to feel comfortable to talk. And that's that's huge. Because at the end of the day, man, we are all unique. We are all special. We have something to offer to this world and it's and, and it's it's how how is it allocated? How are you gonna allocate that energy? Right. And yeah. Once that's made conscious, once that's made known for some of these kids, that's all it needs to be for somebody to look at them and say, hey, you did a good job on that. You you organized that very well, or you're pretty fast, or, oh, I didn't think about problem solving it that way, right? And just maybe one small compliment like that can boost a kid's morale to say, I'm actually pretty good at this. Let me see what else I can do with this. You know what I mean? And something else I want to harp on while we're here with adversity is, once we can realize, and I'm actually um, writing a blog about it at the moment. It's, it's about um, realization. Is once we can realize our past experiences, the value that holds true today, right? So for this kid that's 17 years old that hadn't had a job, but he got five five younger siblings at home that he's, you know, waking them up every morning. He's feeding them. He's making sure to get to the bus stop. He's helping them with their homework. Right. So he he understands men, and he understands time management, discipline, right. responsibility. Resume may not say that, right? right? But once we can kind of, you know, be able to talk to and understand who we are, why our experiences matter, and what makes us special, what makes us unique, what makes us influential, how do we use that to a positive? Right. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I want the message to always be. It ain't about where you are right now, because mm-hmm. Every day we will wake up, we get an opportunity to make a decision, and you know, adversity is just it's something you have. A lot of people trying to pay for, and what I mean by that, they 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 want to sign up for the 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 trifecta runner that's twenty five miles because it's going to make them more mentally tough. You know what I mean? But now you got a kid that's you know enduring some things that people can could never fathom, and they're like, "Wow, I didn't understand." I didn't think that kids actually see or do those things or experience those things. Right. But it's like, man, a realization and adversity is just the, just the start. It's like, man, we so much more, I'm passionate about it, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But so how do you, how do you communicate, um, through the culture and maybe, maybe you were just surrounded by guys that process like you do, but you know, you have a level of, um, awareness vulnerability honesty that i wouldn't think would be fostered especially in the football community um but then outside of it is is that something that you you always developed or did that kind of happen post football where you were like you know uh, you know way more open about kind of who you are struggles and all that do you understand what i'm saying like is it has has this this way of approaching things been the way you've done it or is it is newer
1: it's it's been developed. I think foundationally, I've been there. It's it's been there somewhere, right? But I had to you know realize and nurture it, pull it to the top, and really allow that to be me. Um, and I would say the foundation of it is my bigger brother. Growing up in in, in like where we we're from, I didn't look up to anybody, so I didn't have them. I didn't look at other you know the, the the old heads and and say I want to be like them. I want to be like my dad and my brother. Right? Those are my mm-hmm. two heroes. And I got to see them on a day-to-day basis and the relationship that we built, he had this self-confidence about himself that just poured over to me. Like hmm. as long as we clean, we fresh, you know, what I mean, it's like, we not trying to go over and beyond, not looking for the material things, not, you're not going to see Kurt going by a gold chain because that's cool. Like I'm so grateful and so rich and so full of life that, even at a young age, I, I wasn't seeking external validations. So now, hmm. as I'm going through this journey and realizing, okay, this path makes sense. Treating people makes sense. Treating people well makes sense. Right. Um, right. And a, a small example is when I, was in, um, when I was in pro, when I was playing pro, I had an old high school classmate reach out to me and say, hey, Kurt, thank you for, for being, being my friend. I, remember, I said, I remember you being my friend and I think it was like Spanish class. Instead, you were the only you're the only football player that talked to me. You know, so it's like yeah. small things like that that really impact and 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 leave an imprint on people. And so to me, those small things like, all right, that's that's a small win because that's 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 validating yeah. things that I'm doing that is is right. So, man, and I think as I just grew and start realizing um, curiosity, vulnerability resilience, communication, you know, um, servitude, serving others, like,
0: right.
1: those things are, man, that's, that's what made the world go around, that's what made this world beautiful, we need more
0: of it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, man, Kurt, thank you, thank you for your time today, and uh, thank you for just sharing your story of adversity, and resilience, and tools that you use today to help you continue uh, on that journey, we're going to share your socials your blog all your stuff with everybody your foundation uh so thank you again uh really really always great to talk to you yeah thank y'all for having me and this it's always good having a
1: good conversation man and you know just spreading the light and you know it's been it's a great experience always just chatting yeah. with y'all yeah absolutely man
2: yeah. All, right, all right guys
1: we'll see you later all right see y'all later talk soon.